Hello and welcome to the Slot Plus segment of the Slate Culture Gab Fest. If you are listening, that means you are a Slate Plus member. Thank you so much for supporting Slate and the work that we do. Today we are joined, continuingly joined, that sounded strange, but I think it makes sense, by the wonderful Chris Melanfi, who, in addition to being brilliant on our show, brilliant on the gist, uh, now, finally, some person at Slate, his name is Steve Lichtai, uh, figured out uh, that we should give Chris his own show. And Chris has, I think, been cooking up the idea for the show for a long time. Um, it is called Hit Parade. And currently it's available on our feed. It's a, a bonus track on the Culture Grab Fest feed that drops once a month. There have been three episodes thus far. Each is a gem. Uh, I commend our listeners to go ferret them out if they have not yet. But Chris, while we have you in studio, we wanted to hear what's it like driving your own podcast train instead of being the incredibly erudite uh, sprinkles on the cupcake of our show. Uh, that was an amazing mix of Erudite sprinkles <laughs> on the cupcake train. Just, man, never mind, never mind. Move along to answer the question. Okay, I'm ignoring the sprinkles. Um, so it's it's a dream come true. I mean, I've wanted to do some kind of chart nerd podcast for quite some time, and this idea, you you were right in your introduction, this has been just stating quite a while. I think I first started talking to Dan Coyce and Forrest Wickman about the possibility of doing a music-themed podcast before I think even Panoply had started, like over two years ago. And at first we were batting around the idea of doing something more gab where we would just sort of chat about music. But then as we were batting ideas around, everybody said, well, what if we did something that was more story-like? And at the time, John Dickerson was just starting up Whistle Stop. I think Whistle Stop was maybe a few months in. And I said, you mean like Whistle Stop for music? And they said, yeah, could you do that? And I, I thought about it and I said, yeah, that, that, would, that would be great because the, the storytelling aspect is, I don't know, it's, it's a fun way to kind of mash together concepts and ideas and, and take people through the history of the charts and why things become hits. And, and as I always say, the whole point of my Why is the Song Number One series in Slate is talking about the mix of art and commerce that causes a song to become a number one hit. And you can filter a lot of music history through that prism. Um, and then the other thing that I knew would work well from the jump was uh, the ability, as we just did in this Summer Strut episode, to just punctuate every point with a bit of a song. Um, it's just so much more powerful when you can remind people whether it's a song they've never heard before or it's a song they have heard before but haven't thought about in decades. Or uh, ever, seriously. Or, or ever, potentially. Um, that eureka moment where you play something or, or you juxtapose two things side by side. Um, the ability to use audio in this latest episode, uh, which just came out at the end of June, in which I compare the careers of Elton John and George Michael. We also include several interviews. Elton John has given a number of interviews over the years. George Michael has as well. We even include some Casey Kasem occasionally. We've done that in a couple of the episodes where we we include snippets of the original American Top 40. Um, and I just feel like it's not just me yapping. It's also, you know, reminding people what the songs sound like and, and you know, chart history with through AT40 and that kind of thing. Well, I just remember in the in my earliest days at Slate, so now nearly 15 years ago, I edited our music coverage for a while. Uh, and we used to like to cut clips from each song and embed them in the page with a little, you know, speakerphone player. And, you know, obviously working digitally creates ways to write about and think about music that are um, give give the audience more ways in than just like the flat print page. 
obviously, this seems insanely obvious, but podcasting is just such a great form to to help use the original text as a way to make the points. Yeah, Chris, congratulations on the podcast. I'm excited you're doing it. I have a, a, an approach question about it. Since you mentioned it's not just me yapping, it's also the music, but it is just you yapping in the sense that you, at least so far, are the voice of the show, right? Right, right. And it's not an interview. It's not It's not a panel. It's it's you and the music. And so you managed to do this thing, which actually John Dickerson manages to do on Whistle Stop as well, where you're just talking into a mic by yourself in a studio, and yet there's a very conversational and homey feel to it that as if you were not reading from a script. It does not feel like you're reading from a script. That it doesn't feel that is an enormous compliment, honestly, because one of the hardest things I'll actually tell a, a quick story about Steve Lichtai, whom I can't thank enough. Um, it was he who, when I brought this idea to him last year, said, uh, you know, actually, uh, another aside with Steve, the very first episode, the pilot episode uh, is about uh, the UB40 song Red Red Wine, which is actually a Neil Diamond song originally that they, you know, turned into an enormous hit in the 80s. And the first thing I told Steve Lichtai when I told him, he said, what would the pilot be? And I said, it'd be about Red Red Wine. He said, I hate that song. And then I said, well, okay, but here's in, you know, a hundred words or less what it would be about. He said, that's amazing. I would listen to that. You know, so Steve had the the, the vision for this. But to your point about sounding scripted, it's been very challenging for me uh, to get the voice right when I'm when I'm reciting this thing. I definitely talk slower when I'm doing it. In fact, when Steve and I recorded the pilot, we recorded it once and put it on the shelf for a while because it was just before the election and then the election happened and everybody was busy and it was crazy for a while. And then we came back to it in the winter and he said, okay, I've played it for a few people and they have two comments. One, we want to get to the music faster. So we made sure that there was music earlier in the show. And second, Melanfi needs to talk slower uh, because you're, you're sharing a lot of dense chart data and chart history and artist history and, so if you listen to me either on the Gabfest here or when I'm definitely when I'm on with Pesca, right? <laughs> Mike and I are a pair of Ita- Italian American New Yorkers who talk a mile a minute, right? And and we, you know, talk really really fast. So I had to figure out how to a still make it sound conversational, b make it you know make it so that people could download it if it's audio only uh, because I am throwing that song peaked at number three and you know it led to this other hit and it's just a lot of chart data to throw at people I remember when I, I first did the slower voice Steve came in the booth and he said to me okay I need you to be slower but I also need you to be up which was very hard because it's like once you get slower, you start sounding like Mr. Rogers or something. Not, not that I don't love Mr. Rogers, but he was a little too mellow. Right. How do you be energetic and slow at the exactly. same time? That yeah. was that was hard. And I, I still struggle with it sometimes. And Chris Berube, who's now my super excellent producer for the last two episodes, is from time to time telling me, yeah, you were a little fast there. Let's retake that. So anyway. Well, I think maybe part of what makes that, that that approach work, the kind of conversational, just a guy in a room, and yet you seem to be having a conversation, what makes that work in part is that at least the the one that comes to mind, um, El- the Elton John, George Michael episode, right, in which you sort of trace parallel developments in their careers, is that it's an argument. You're sort of making an argument in that in that podcast and not just telling a history or, um, you know, observing individual details about the music. You're sort of turning it into this thesis about, about uh, Elton John and George Michael, and I won't reveal to people how that thesis comes together and what it is. But that, to me, was what made that episode so listenable. Thank you. Chris, I'm interested in um, in uh, uh, what the principle of selection going forward is going to be. Like, are you going to carefully distribute among pop eras? Are you going to dance around? Are you? What are you looking for when you happen upon a story? I mean, it, that's a great question. It's a great question on two levels. One, it, yeah, to your latter point, it has to be a story, right? I've already... 
I love the response and I'm, I'm getting tweeted at and people are saying, do this, do that. And some of them are actually pretty good <laughs> suggestions, but I can't, I can't simply do one that is, Hey, this is a cool song. Otherwise I'm the Chris Farley character on Saturday night live. Remember when you did that thing? That was awesome. Like I can't simply just talk about this song was amazing. It, there has to be some kind of backstories for this to work. So that that's number one. And, and number two, you're asking a good question. And frankly, you're kind of busting me about, you know, spreading it among eras and genres. I am a, a bit nervous because the next episode, which I'm working on right now, is also going to center mostly on the 80s. It'll travel back to the 70s. It'll move into the 90s and, and 21st century. But it its centerpiece is the 80s. And I'm finding to my, you know, horror that I am just as predictable as everybody else. The, the decade when you were a teenager is the decade you keep drifting back to. I have other ideas for future episodes that are actually centered entirely around the 90s, the 70s. Uh, I even have one idea that might bring me into the 2010s. But yeah, I'm. this will be like my third out of four episodes that center around the 80s. So uh, what can I say? I, I, I am a product of my time. Uh, can you can you reveal for Slate Plus members only? What is the subject of your next show? I can actually. And what's fun about this one is I'm actually adapting something I've presented in a different medium before. Uh, every year, uh, I, along with actually the entire music critic staff of Slate, uh, Carl Wilson always goes, Jack Hamilton always goes. We all go to Seattle every April for this thing called the Pop Conference at what used to be called the Experience Music Project Museum. They've just renamed themselves MoPop for the Museum of Pop Culture. Anyway, they sponsor this annual conference. All like practically every music critic from Ann Powers to you know Jody Rosen all show up at this thing, and we all present papers. And I presented a paper this year about the history of the charity mega single. Uh, basically centering around uh, Band-Aids, Do They Know It's Christmas, and USA for Africa's We Are the World, but then taking it back to antecedents to those songs and then those songs' descendants. Um, and the more I dug into it, the more interesting the story got. So uh, I've already presented it as a paper in a room full of just a few dozen people, and it was pretty well received. And I, and I wrote it thinking this could be a podcast and so now I am in the process of adapting it to be Ooh. a podcast. And does I'm the one, one of our Song of the Summer candidates, make it onto your, your discussion? You're, you're kind of spoiling my ending. But yes, effectively, <laughs> yes, I'm the one is, is kind of the payoff. That's The that's final right. fate, we are the world's evolution. Yes, point. well put. Wait, sorry, does I'm the one have a cause? It has no cause at all, <laughs> but, but itself. But but itself, which is which, which the is title. the point. Yeah, yeah. which okay. is which is the point. Sorry, yes. got it, got it. Yeah. Well, Chris, we are so excited about your show. So excited to have had you on our show. Uh, and Slate Plus listeners, thank you so much for supporting Slate and the work we do. We hope you enjoyed our strut picks. Uh, until we strut again. Well, no, that's in a year. Until next week, and then also eventually we will strut again. Uh, bye. 